politics. This is the Michael Medved Show. And another great day in this greatest nation on God's green earth, but it is not a great and eventful day in which the first ever indictment of a former president of the United States will be handed out by, handed down by a grand jury. Uh, grand jurors were told to stay home today. Uh, they're told to stay home tomorrow. And is it still the plan of Alvin Bragg, the district attorney of uh, Manhattan, to go after President Trump and to charge him in the Stormy Daniels hush money case? Well, maybe not. What would that mean? And what would it mean politically? There's a piece by Mark Thiessen released today in The Washington Post. An indictment would help Trump. Maybe that's what Democrats want. To put all of this in the proper legal perspective, there's no one who is better equipped than Alan Dershowitz, who has defended President Trump before in one of President Trump's impeachment trials. Alan Dershowitz provided his expert and eloquent defense. He has been one of the most prominent practicing lawyers, one of the best-selling authors, one of the most respected professors of constitutional law at Harvard Law School for more than 50 years. He is now a professor emeritus. He is also the author of a new book, already a bestseller. The book is called Get Trump, The Threat to Civil Liberties, Due Process, and Our Constitutional Rule of Law. Okay, Alan, do, do you think it is a done deal that this uh, indictment by Alvin Bragg on the Stormy Daniels matter, do you think that is a sure thing, an inevitability, or do you think it is possible that cooler heads will prevail and it could be avoided? Uh, four days ago, I would have said it was a dumb deal, and then Bob Stello uh, came forward and testified. Nobody wanted to testify. Certainly, Bragg didn't want him to testify. I'm not even sure the defense in the Trump case wanted him to testify. Usually, you try to reserve a witness like that to be a surprise witness at, at the trial. But uh, he's a very honorable guy, and he said, look, I have evidence, and I'm coming in front of the a grand jury, and I'm going to tell them the evidence. And, boy, when they heard that evidence, I can imagine Bragg just looking himself in the mirror and saying, am I going to be disbarred for this case? A criminal lawyer, prosecutor, cannot knowingly put a lying witness on the stand. That's a disbarable offense. And now he knows. Uh, he knows it through the letter that was sent to the federal election people. He knows it through the testimony of Castell. That this guy is incapable of telling the truth. He you mean swore, Michael Cohen? Swore. You're speaking Michael about Cohen. Michael Cohen here, right? The star I'm witness for the other side. About Michael Cohen, the star witness who probably won't be called as a witness. Uh, I suspect now that Bragg is rethinking the whole thing. He has three options. One, he can put on Cohen as a witness and lose the case and maybe lose his law license because nobody will believe him. So I don't think he wants to do that. Second, he can try to make the case around Cohen without using him, using the uh, publisher of the National Enquirer, using the former treasurer of the Trump Corporation, all of whom have testified, and risk losing the case because the jury is going to say, we came to see Hamlet. Where's the prince? Uh, where's that missing witness? And, and, and the third is he drops the case uh, slowly. He doesn't drop it. It just doesn't happen. And not with a bang but a whimper, it, it goes away. Those are his three basic options, none of them good. You know, in my book, Get Trump, and by the way, I didn't invent that name. The name comes from 
Bragg and from the Attorney General of New York, who campaigned on the promise of if we are elected, we will, quote, get Trump. So that's the name of the book, Get Trump. And it's a lot about this case. It's about the three other cases, obviously, against uh, Trump, none of which hold water. Uh, Look, I'm not going to vote for Trump. I don't like him. I don't like what he did in each of the four cases. But the line between immorality and criminality is one of the most important lines you can ever have in a democracy. And Bragg is violating that line. Okay. Uh, uh, Mark Thiessen has the opinion uh, that that the indictment would only help Trump, and that's what Democrats want. He brings up the idea that during the last campaign in 2022, the Democrats helped a lot of Trump-anointed candidates because they knew they would be easy to beat. Do you think that's possible, that part of what is motivating partisan Democrats like Alvin Bragg is that... uh, they're wanting to rally and stir up MAGA nation and get Trump the Republican nomination so he can go down to ignominious defeat in 2024. Yeah, I mean, it's a heavy cost to the rule of law to be doing that. And it, you know, again, makes uh, politics the central factor in criminal uh, justice. I, I do think that it will help Trump if he gets indicted. If you ever want to invest in something, I would invest now in a t-shirt company that specializes in putting the mugshot of Donald Trump on the t-shirt. It will be the second most popular mugshot ever. The first being, of course, the famous Frank Sinatra one when he was uh, indicted for seducing somebody. Everybody, every kid I know has that, or every kid my age who was a kid (laughs) has that on his office wall. Uh, So kids uh, today would say Frank who, but go ahead. Frank, who, yeah. Um, well, you know, it's interesting because once he called me on the phone and he said, Alan, this is Frank. And I said, Frank, who? And he couldn't believe it. What do you mean, Frank, who? <laughs> it's Frank Sinatra. And I said, we were did you hear here. the voice, right? Uh, of course, uh, of course. I, you know, when I'm in okay, the, so, I'm so in the shower, to, I sing it. Yeah. yeah. To get back to this Trump uh, matter, um, the... The I did. I mean, normally when you're trying to explain this case to people, uh, as as you you said a moment ago, you don't think that Trump behaved well in any of these four no. cases. Do you think uh, any of the cases, like the two that are being handled under Jack Smith, uh, do you think that they are more serious and uh, more of a a genuine legal threat to the former president? Yeah, everything's more serious than this one. Um, But I think each of them has an airtight defense. Each has an airtight defense. The January 6th, I hated his speech, but it was completely protected by the Supreme Court of the United States' decision in Brandenburg. Uh, He said he wanted people to go to the Capitol uh, peacefully and patriotically. That's the end of the case. Um, the, The Georgia case, he said, and there's no dispute about this, it's on tape, he needs to find, find, find 13,000 votes. Dictionary has a definition of find. It means something's there to be found. It's been <laughs> lost. So clearly what he was saying, what he intended, I don't know, but what he was saying was, you know, check hard. See if there are 13,000 uncounted votes. And then the Florida thing, which he's the most guilty of. That's the easiest case factually and legally, but impossible politically. Because how do you, how do you indict Trump? without indicting the president of the United States and the former vice president. 
public doesn't understand subtle differences. They all had classified material. They all were wrong to have it. And how do you go after the man who's running against the incumbent who had classified material? So I think he has two airtight political, uh, legal defenses and one airtight political defense. So I don't think he'll be uh, successfully uh, prosecuted. Now, I, I, I have voted against him twice. I insist on my constitutional right to vote against him a third time. And so um, I don't want him to be stopped from running. He can't be stopped, literally, even if he's imprisoned. He can run for president. The Secret Service would probably have to be with him. Uh, but he, uh, the Constitution provides only quite certain criteria. That's not one of them. Okay. One of the challenges that, uh, and I'm sure you will get this as you're talking about your book, Get Fr Trump, and the the subtitle is The Threat to Civil Liberties, Due Process, and Our Constitutional Rule of Law, is uh, you speak in that book about the weaponization of our judicial system, uh, basically trying to defeat someone through investigation and indictment and prosecution, uh, rather than leaving that to the voters. So how do you feel about some of the legal attacks uh, by Republicans on the Biden family? We will get to that and more with Alan Dershowitz, uh, uh, the author of Get Trump. Coming up. I am so shocked you're talking like this. Michael Medved. Michael Medved Show. It's always stimulating to talk to Professor Alan Dershowitz, a veteran of more than 50 years, educating some of the future elite lawyers of the country at Harvard Law School. He is the author of uh, countless books. It's uh, how many books so far, Alan? 52, and I'm working on 53. My goal is 60 by the time I reach 90. I'm 84 now, so I'm, I write every single day. I have wrote two, two columns today, one about the statute of limitations in this case and one about what's going on in Israel with the judicial reform just tonight on television. B.B. Netanyahu quoted me as uh, someone who has changed his mind and is now supportive of some of these reforms. Um, I have softened my views, but I'm looking for compromise. But in any event, I'm pretty busy for an 84-year-old. Yes, you're pretty busy for a 24-year-old, if, if, <laughs> if, if I can add. Uh, your new book uh, here the, uh, is called uh, Get Trump, and it's about the various prosecutions on President Trump. I, I posed to you, uh, I think, sure. what is an important question before the break. Do you think it's healthy for the Republican Party having taken over the House of Representatives by the narrowest margin imaginable to be concentrating so many of their efforts on uh, attempting to pursue legal yeah. challenges uh, against misbehavior by the president, maybe, but certainly misbehavior by his son, by his brother, by other members of the Biden family. Is mm -hmm. that uh, uh, in contrast to the uh, get Trump prosecutions that you condemn in your book? No, I condemn that as well. It's targeted. I don't like anything that targets people. Um, and there are Republicans who are saying, look, there's smoke there. Let's target 
um, the Biden family and see what we can find in them. You know, I'm reminded, and when I was like 24 years old, I went down south. I was trained to be a civil rights observer. And uh, when when we were instructed, we were told the following, do not spit on the sidewalk, do not put your cigarettes on the sidewalk. You are walking targets. The police, the sheriffs, the segregationist prosecutors are looking to pin anything on you. If you put out your cigarette, on the sidewalk, they will charge you with destroying government property felony. And that stuck with me all my life. And now that's what they're doing. Uh, everybody who's after Trump or after Biden is saying, first, let's find the man and then we'll discover the crime. Once we have the man, we'll discover the crime. And that's no way, not the way justice should work. Justice Jackson, probably the greatest attorney general in our history, said that any prosecutor can rummage through the hundreds of statutes and find some technical crime to pin on anybody they want. That's not the way justice should work. First, there should be the crime. Then you should try to find out who did it instead of doing the Al Capone thing. But this is worse than Al Capone because Al Capone actually and clearly cheated on his taxes, whereas these (laughs) cases are Mickey Mouse cases. They're not strong cases. They're contrived cases. Do you think that some of the uh, con- uh, one of those contrived cases would be one of the Jack Smith cases, which has to do with the January sixth riot? Do you, yeah. Do you think that they would be able to make a case that the president actually uh, wanted the demonstrators that he dispatched mm-hmm. up to the Capitol building to interfere with the certification of the electoral yeah. votes? Well, I don't know what he wanted, and wanting is not a crime. Uh, we know that Trump wanted not to leave the White House, but what did he intend when he made his speech? And you, yeah, what did he intent- what did he intend when he asked That's thousands it. of people to march up to the Capitol building at the the very time that they were trying to vote to certify the election? Right. Perfectly legal and perfectly reasonable and perfectly American and consistent with the First Amendment for thousands of people to stand in front of the Capitol and scream and yell, you know, Trump won, Trump won, lie as it is. That's perfectly legal. What was illegal is entering the Capitol. And they would have to prove that he had an intent to get people to enter the Capitol and physically interfere with the Pence voting and counting. And if there is evidence of that, that could make a case. But I haven't seen the evidence of that. I've seen evidence that would certainly convince me as a juror that he wanted people to go and demonstrate in front of the Capitol. And if those demonstrations could stop the counting of the vote, that would be perfectly okay with him. All right. Uh, But uh, when it's perfectly okay with him, is it perfectly okay with the law? Because, again, isn't one of the... Uh, the key charges against him is obstruction and obstructing a legitimate constitutionally mandated federal procedure. You you can't obstruct it by a constitutionally permitted constitutional act petitioning the government for a regress of grievances. Now, you you can obstruct justice by demonstrating in front of jurors in a courtroom, but congressmen are not jurors, and um, they're supposed to have thick skin. And you know how many times there were demonstrations in front of the Capitol or the Supreme Court um, uh, uh, in favor of and against abortion or in favor and against so many other things 
I don't think we want to limit protests as long as they're legal, lawful protests. Yes, but but, but what you're saying is that there is a distinction once they have crashed into the Capitol building. Oh, that's right. Okay, let me, me, in the brief time we have left, uh, let me ask you, do you believe that, as many are saying, uh, and other people contradict it, that a Trump indictment on any of these cases would help to get him reelected? And concurrent to that, uh, would you, if he is indicted, feel so stirred up and so outraged by the inappropriateness of that, in your opinion, that you would consider or reconsider and may turn out to vote for Trump after all? No, I wouldn't vote for Trump. There are some people who've said that, that uh, somebody wrote to me the other day saying he was going to vote for DeSantis. He doesn't like Trump, but he's going to vote for uh, Trump now. Um, I, I don't think that's the, You want to protest what's going on in New York City? Buy my book. That's the best protest. It becomes a bestseller. <laughs> it sends a message to brag that we don't like what what you're doing. Uh, look, I, I, I just think that uh, this is a terrible, terrible case. I think if he gets indicted on this, it helps him. Um, if he gets indicted on some of the others, maybe not so much. Because those are real cases. There's evidentiary arguments about them, but they're real cases. This is not a real case. This happened seven years ago. There are two-year and seven-year and five-year statute of limitations. It's only a misdemeanor to put a false record about why you paid money. Can you imagine anybody paying hush money, and thousands of people do it every year, and then putting it in their records? Oh, I paid the $130,000 in order to make sure that a porn star with whom I had an adulterous affair doesn't reveal it in public. I mean, obviously, nobody's going to do that. And so he listed it as legal expenses. And that would be so common. Nobody has ever been prosecuted for that. And, and, uh, no and again, may not, in the end, be prosecuted in this case. Uh, your new book, which you're eager for people to look at, is uh, Get Trump. Alan Dershowitz, uh, have a wonderful weekend coming up. And we will be right back. Michael Medved. Here you are as smart as Satan himself. Okay. You're frighteningly smart, but so is the devil. This is The Michael Medved Show. 1-800-955-1776. The Michael Medved Show. Michael Medved show. One of the questions now is everybody is waiting to see whether the indictment will actually be issued by Alvin Bragg. If it is not, uh, it almost surely there will be other indictments. Uh, there is the uh, uh, Fani Willis prosecution in Fulton County, Georgia, about changing the Georgia election, where again an indictment appears to be very close. And then there are two other indictments involving the top-secret documents, uh, the secret classified documents at Mar-a-Lago and President Trump's uh, refusal to cooperate with the National Archives and, and even with the Justice Department in returning those documents. And uh, there is the very real matter of uh, January 6th, where there are already... Uh, more than a thousand people who have been charged for that occurrence and uh, President Trump uh, well we shall see Uh, that's up to the special counsel what's interesting about this 
is there are conflicting headlines in two of the most prestigious newspapers of the country. Uh, one in the Washington Post, there's a piece by Mark Thiessen, former aide to President George W. Bush, and the piece says an indictment would help Trump. Maybe that's what Democrats want. And he's talking about the long record of Democrats in the last election in helping Trumpy candidates get nominated because then they would be easy to beat. And that's a strategy that worked very well for Democrats in limiting their losses to only a handful of seats in the House and actually gaining uh, a seat in the Senate of the United States. The conflicting piece is by Karl Rove, who is one of the sharpest political minds, also a former aide, obviously, to President Bush and a political guru to President Bush. His uh, piece is entitled, Trump's Indictment Won't Win Him Votes. Uh, first, the basic argument of uh, Mark Thiessen says indicting uh, Trump over alleged hush money payments to porn star Stormy Daniels would be according to Peter Mayer, who is a um, candidate who voted to impeach Trump, a Republican who lost his seat from Michigan in the House of Representatives, he says that a including Trump, uh, indicting Trump over alleged hush money payments to porn star Stormy Daniels would be a billion-dollar gift in kind from Democrats to Trump's 24 campaign. And he says, who knows, maybe a New York jury might find Trump guilty anyway. And this has been part of the speculation because there is so little support in New York City for President Trump. And the jury here would be selected by uh, in in uh, not just New York State, but New York City. And Mark Thiessen says, or if it did find President Trump guilty, maybe the case would be overturned on appeal. It is unlikely Trump would ultimately be convicted on a felony and thus disqualified from the presidency. Yes, it's unlikely because there's no provision of being disqualified from the presidency if you're convicted of a felony. Uh, you would have to have been impeached and have that attached to your impeachment, and this is not impeachment. This is uh, for a private citizen. But this much is certain. Indicting Trump will cause many Republicans, including some who have been open to a different nominee, to rally around the former president and help him win the GOP nomination. And that may be exactly what many Democrats want. Democrats have won the past two elections running against Trump. In 2020, Biden won not by convincing Americans they needed more government spending and open borders, but by promising a Trump-exhausted electorate that he, Biden, would end the chaos and unite the country. Uh, this is, in uh, then in the 2022 midterms, Democrats successfully papered over the serial disasters unleashed on Biden's watch, including the worst inflation in 40 years, the worst murder wave since the 1990s, and the worst border security crisis in U.S. history, by running against and in some cases spending tens of millions of dollars amplifying Trump-backed MAGA candidates. If Trump wins the 2024 GOP nomination, Democrats have good reason to believe they can easily win a third election running against him. As Jeff Jackson, a Democrat from North Carolina, told Fox News, in a general election, we're talking about roughly 200,000 swing voters.
spread across five states. They are going to pick the next winner. And I don't think there's any universe in which they see this underlying behavior with respect to the affair and the hush money and give a thumbs up to that. The uh, January USA Today Ipsos poll found that 74% of Republican voters had a favorable view of Trump. But right now, 74% of Republicans are not supporting Trump's candidacy. That's because his shameful conduct after the 2020 election and his disastrous 2022 midterm performance convinced many that it was time to move on. Then they saw the FBI raid on Trump's Mar-a-Lago home over his mishandling of classified documents, only to learn later the classified documents from Biden's tenure as vice president had been found in Biden's D.C. office in his Delaware home. And now they see a Democratic district attorney preparing a blatantly political prosecution of the former president to stop him from being elected. That could convince enough Trump skeptical Republicans to back the former president after all, and that could give the Democrats their best shot of winning the White House in 2024. The point that Karl Rove makes is that uh, President uh, Trump's strategy appears to focus exclusively on winning the votes of true believers. But many, he writes, are suffering from Trump fatigue and there weren't enough of them to reelect him last time. The most probable result of his current ranting and raving will be to convince more Republicans that he's unelectable. Some who supported him last time because of his policies now want to turn the page. He promised we'd get tired of winning. Instead, we've grown tired of his losing and increasingly crazed antics. He'd be better off playing down his indictment and focusing on winning in court. But then he wouldn't be Trump. So... Uh, basically, his argument is that there are very few voters, like even Alan Dershowitz, who completely sides with Trump in these legal matters, says he still won't vote for him. doesn't matter whether he's indicted or not. And uh, there actually was a, a strong piece uh, that um, commentary by somebody that you would assume would favor the entire Trump narrative uh, about the stolen election in 2020. And that, to me, is why I don't believe that this really will help him win. A any of the indictments or any of the prosecutions are not going to help Trump. And the reason I don't think so is it's very hard to say that, oh, gosh, I, I, I hate the fact that he's lying about the 2020 election, that he won't let that go that he's talked about pardoning all of the people who rioted on Capitol Hill on January 6th. People like that aren't going to say, well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. He was indicted over Stormy Daniels. Now I'm going to vote for him. You may feel some sympathy for him. You may even support him on the Stormy Daniels issue. But the point is, for a Republican Party that is desperate to win, one of the things that is fascinating to look at is that even in the election that Trump won, 2016, do you know that the Republicans lost seats in Congress and the House of Representatives? They did. They lost two seats in the Senate when Trump was leading the party and they won. And they lost six seats in the House. 
And a lot of Republicans do care about that, especially with the margins of the House and the Senate being so very, very close this time. Uh, that becomes a question. How do you win? There's a, a prominent figure on Fox News who just came out and said, you can't win talking about 2020. We'll get to it. The Michael Medved Show. You know what? This just makes me sick. They're on Broadway. But um, meanwhile, there are some words that I was actually very pleased to hear. Uh, Laura Ingram has been a very, very stalwart, strong supporter of President Trump. You may remember her speech at the convention that nominated him for president in 2016. There was all kinds of criticism about her because she was waving to the audience and people said it looked too much like a Zeke Heil salute, it seemed to me. People are very eager to criticize. Uh, but uh, I, I think that Laura will get a lot of agreement from conservatives, liberals, others about her advice to President Trump concerning his campaign. Clip 11. Listen. Now let's move on to campaign advice for President Trump. Now if I were Trump and running his campaign, I'd strongly urge him to stop talking about 2020. It's over. Enough. Marinating in old claims of election fraud will not win over a single voter in any state that he needs to win in 2024. And it gives DeSantis an opening to say, why take a chance on the guy who just complained after the fact about early voting and ballot harvesting instead of beating Biden on both fronts? So explain to voters in a major speech on the specifics on how Trump will rebuild the economy. Okay, and it's not just rebuild the economy. It's deal with crime. It's deal with the border issue. It's deal with Ukraine. It's deal with world peace. Uh, the idea of a positive agenda for change when the American people want change. One of the things we could uh, talk about or somebody could talk about because it's appropriate is this outrageous story from Iowa State University in Ames, Iowa. And it's one of those things where Iowa State, you would think they're good basketball teams. Uh, they, it's a lovely campus. I know people who have gone there. Uh, and the headline is white students banned from Iowa State University's women of color retreat. By the way, they spell women W-O-M-X-N so it doesn't have the word man inside it, right? How pathetic. Uh, the Women of Color Network hosts other events for minorities only. They say female minorities at Iowa State will have an opportunity this April to learn from one another and create new friendship uh, away from their white peers. The Women of Color Retreat is a one-day event open to all women of color on campus. According to the Iowa State Daily, this retreat is very special to our executive board because usually it is planned by an entire faculty team. Bria Felix, president of the Women of Color Network, told the Iowa State uh, Daily, students this year will help plan it, but faculty involvement in the past year shows how the university is behind the event. The question is, if um, this had been somehow not women of color, but women without color, 
and they had limited uh, people's participation based not on their culture, not on their background, not on their heritage even, but based on skin color alone. I think how outrageous that would be if it were reversed. If, uh, again, having a group of Asian American women uh, who who are uh, re recently not based upon their race, but based upon their heritage, uh, to have that set up as a an event, sure. But but really, if this were reversed, people would be indignant. And speaking of indignant, uh, Trey Gowdy uh, on Fox News, former congressman from South Carolina, was uh, pretty outraged by some of the suggestions by President Trump that uh, DeSantis, uh, who he calls DeSanctimonious, is uh, looking at exposure as a potential pedophile, somebody who was dating underage girls when he was a teacher. And he's even implied that uh, 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 Governor DeSantis is secretly gay. And uh, Trey Gowdy had this to say about some of Trump's uh, blows against his rival, soon to be announced rival, one would think, for the nomination. This is clip 14. It's, I mean, Ron has been uh, taking on weaponry, taking on attacks for weeks now. I mean, you mentioned he had an overwhelming victory in November, and yet one of President Trump's surrogates uh, accused uh, Ron of fixing the vote. Another one of President Trump's surrogates said that he was backed by George Soros. So, I mean, at a certain point, uh, whether you're running for president or not, you have to defend yourself. I don't know. I have not asked Ron. I had, we served together. I have not asked him if he's running for president. I think other people are going to get in. But, you know, Dana, I mean, the whole process is really so degrading. I mean, you've got allegations of grooming high school students when you were a teacher, all this fixation over nicknames. I mean, we're picking the leader of the free world, the leader of the most important country in the world. And we are debasing ourselves with having these little quarrels over nicknames and, and allegations that go back 30 years that are really preposterous. I just think we, we ought to do better than that. Uh, yeah, I think we can do better than that. And good for Trey Gowdy. He also uh, had a suggestion of um, a, a way to upgrade the current presidential race for the Republican nomination. Uh, here's what former Congressman Gowdy had to say about one of his best friends from his time in the House of Representatives. Uh, clip 15. Senator Tim Scott, not a declared presidential candidate, but do you think he's going to make a go for it? I hope he does, Dana, and I'll tell you the same thing I tell Tim. I think he is good for our country. Whether he wins or not is secondary to me. I think all of us would benefit from hearing his story, his optimism, his hopefulness. I mean, he is an unusual elected official. He is exactly in private what you see publicly. He is so, I mean, he balances the, the pain of our country's past with the promise of today, the potential of tomorrow. So, look, we usually talk sports and miniseries. We don't talk politics. But, but I think he's good for the country, whether he wins or not, uh, to show that there's another way to run to be the leader of the free world. You don't have to talk about nicknames and accuse people of grooming high school students 
You could be aspirational and seek this office, too. And what an idea. And uh, and then, of course, there is the other side. And I know that uh, this is one of those things that uh, Greg Tomlin finds very entertaining, is um, President Biden's struggles with a teleprompter. This is Women's History Month. And uh, uh, so he was honoring Women's History uh, by speaking about the First Lady. Uh, listen, clip 13. This is a time for celebrating extraordinary women who have made their mark in history, strengthen our nation. And like Jill, the First Lady, the first full-time lady, the first lady who works full-time, <laughs> in addition to being the First Lady, as a professor. Uh, the first full-time lady. And uh, then... This strange remark, and I don't know what to make of this. This is clip nine. We were talking inside. Jill has, and I think I told Nancy this before, Jill has put some messages on my mirror while I'm shaving, so I make sure I see them. <laughs> and one that was put in about a year ago was, stop trying to make me love you. Ah. Uh. I, I, it's it seems strangely touching, but it may not be what he wanted to emphasize. Uh, coming up tomorrow, uh, China's Xi, a poll apparently has told Vladimir Putin of changes not seen for a hundred years. What does that mean? Gordon Chang explains all next time on the Medved Show. And uh, the Wall Street Journal argues that foster kids need permanent homes, uh, despite the fact that activists are working for legal changes that would make it harder to find adoptive families. And uh, we are also going to be confronting a San Francisco Democrat who claims that uh, being robbed by drug addicts, well, yeah, that's pretty common in democratically run cities, but it is, quote, a basic city life experience. Is it really? And then uh, reports that tattoos do odd things to the immune system. When you stick ink-filled needles into your skin, your body's defenders respond accordingly. So scientists are trying to debate, is that good or bad for you? Uh, we will probe all of these mysteries, plus two new thrillers from Hollywood, and much more next time in This Greatest Nation on God's Green Earth.